created live on Fireside. Ah, there we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the week where we get together for an hour or so. This is Doing It Sober Live. From South Africa, I am Chris Snell, and from America, Dan Park. How you doing, Danny? Oh, I'm doing good. I've made some good changes in my life, Chris. Really? Do tell. Oh, my shirt. Well, I just... You get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and... um you know, that's what it takes. Pain is the touchstone mm-hmm. of growth. And so I have mm-hmm. been um, taking that intention that I've had it stuck in there lately that has been um, promoting bad health and right. um, fear, just a lot of fear for different things and trying to shift the picture, my, you know, my particular activating system, the RAS. And um, just been kind of changing the picture so I can see myself in a better place that I have lots of energy and I'm healed and all these other things. We've talked about that before. And there he is. There he is. Craig, how are you doing, mate? That's fantastic. Welcome. Fantastic. Uh, While Craig is busy setting up, let's introduce our guest. Craig, you can agree with me that uh, laughter is the best medicine. Either a snigger, a titter, or even a guffaw per day keeps the nuthouse farther away. Laughter truly is the best medicine. Comedy is the essence, or rather the quote-unquote tonic, that proves faithfully that a sense of humor is indeed life's great equalizer. Not only an equalizer, but also a practical healer. The Living Word, specifically in the Book of Psalms, states expressly, He who sits on the throne laughs in itself. The verse dictates laughter has a healing factor for both body, mind, and soul. Popular comedian and versatile entertainer Craig Shoemaker stands true to this principle to the letter. He's both a two-time Emmy winner and the recipients of the accolade of funniest male stand-up comic by the coveted American Comedy Awards. Mr. Shoemaker has acted on both the big and small screens, remains a mainstay of live theater, and appeared on both radio and interactive media as voice artist, a true renaissance man of entertainment. Mr. Shoemaker is also the proud founder of Command the Room and Laughter Heals, both initiatives aimed at providing coaching and other resources with humor as the guide to overcome anxiety and even reconnecting oneself. He's here on DIS Live, and we're proud to have him as our guest. Craig, make yourself be known. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. A pleasure. Can you just say the word titter once more? Titter. I, I, I never heard that. So I want to hear it times a day if you can have a good guffaw and titter. Sn- snigger, titter, and guffaw. Uh, we've never heard the word titter, but I am definitely going to add it to my entire program, Command the Room. I'm going to have people tittering. <laughs> Well, I love the English language, so you're more than welcome to use it. Well, you you speak the English language as it should be spoken, as opposed to where I'm from in Philadelphia, where if you order order water, they bring you a block of wood. That's water, by the way. (laughs) 
It's the worst accent. It's the it's it's probably the least romantic language ever. I'm surprised I ever got laid. <laughs> <laughs> so gangster. <laughs> hey, you know what they call me? OG. I'm original gangster. I go backstage. No all kidding. These, all these comedians. I just saw like Dave Chappelle was at his house with all these Chris Rocks there and Jimmy Fallon and John okay. Stewart. And they're like, I'm like, hey, it's a, you're OG. He even introduced me. I was the first headliner that he ever opened for uh, Dave Chappelle when he was 15 years old. So this is true OG over here. Great Scott. Wow. wow. Yes. And you're, you live in the Caneo Valley. That's where I was born and raised, Agora Hills. Wow. That, I just literally moved I, to Agora Hills from Westlake. Yes. Did you? Did you go? Did wow. you go to Agora High? Did, did you I go to sure Agora did. You did not. My assistant, yes, get over here, Michelle. What, what year? 1993. What year did you graduate, Michelle? 95. So here's a 95 right here. What year did you graduate? <laughs> 1993. I was Danielle uh, Rossbag back then. Oh, my brother graduated in 93. Oh, you dated yeah, her brother. <laughs> John Matarazzo. John Matarazzo. I bet you did some tittering with him. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty naughty back then. Nothing about a titter, especially especially when Chris says it. There's nothing wrong with titter. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's so funny. There you go. Small world. Well, yes, I, I'm I'm not from here. And I'm actually happy that I'm not. When I go over like spelling and grammar, I I have I feel sorry for you coming from Agora High. <laughs> I feel I have, no idea, I have no idea how they actually gave a passing grade to all of you people. And Everyone I met there has hey, no I idea. Moved, oh, you I moved? moved to Florida. To oh, Florida. even worse. Even it's worse. worse. Sorry, you can't apply to a community college. <laughs> So bad. So bad. <laughs> but Craig, I have to tell you, uh, you were in one of my favorite movies. You were in one of the uh, uh, screen films. I can't believe you said that. It was tw literally 20 years ago, and someone, I was eating at a restaurant. You know, I've been in hundreds of shows, television shows, even my own specials, but no, this guy, he says, are you... Craig Shoemaker from Scream 2. I was only in one scene, and he said it's his favorite <laughs> horror sequel, and he recognized me 20 years later. This waiter loves that the, the whole Scream series. So I guess it is that's that. That's Yeah. Oh, really? Well, yes, I had my Very much. And I was a replacement in that movie, by the way. The guy, I don't know what he did wrong, but they shot it all in Atlanta, but they shot my scene. I played the film professor at UCLA. That was the, the only scene shot there. And uh, they recreated it based on Atlanta, put them in the same outfits and everything else. So, yeah, I was real happy. And I lived, and Wes promised me, I, since I lived, I've been in no sequels. And, and he's not doing any more sequels anyway. He died. So, Wes that crazy, Thomas, yeah. Thomas went to the grave. Well, they're making a fifth one now. Speaking of legends, you did a movie with Farrah Fawcett, right? I did, and uh, she is amazing. I, I mean, I couldn't believe. Yeah, it's called the Love Master. I think it's right back there. There it is. She's back there on that poster. 
at the Love Master movie, and I was practically calling her Miss Fawcett. I was like, thanks for doing my movie. I was, I was like an up-and-coming comic, and we're in the car. She goes, ah, shut up. I'm here because I want to know if that Love Master is real. And she reaches over. I mean, there was, there was no horn. There's no horn in my crotch. I'm not carrot top. <laughs> and uh, but uh, it ended there though because I was so nervous. I had any. I was not ready for my close up. I was. <laughs> it went inward. There was nothing going on here with Farah. So I do have photos of her wearing leather pants sitting on my lap. So I had her poster on my wall when I was a kid. So it was pretty. It was pretty cool. To have Farrah Fawcett grab my junk. That should be the name of my book. Farrah Fawcett grab my junk. And we- <laughs> there you go. Did you ever come across Jay Bernstein, her manager? Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I, I think that's who okay. arranged the whole thing. She did it for like 100 bucks. I couldn't he believe was- it. Wow. I, uh, I used to work as his uh, VP of his company way back in the day. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah. When I you saw know, the Farrah. thing, I thought that was kind of cool. Were you yeah. sober? No, you've been sober 30 years? 33, 34, 34. I can't, it's, wow. it's not like, I, I stopped, stopped counting, but I, but I, I, I'm not a math major. I think that, I think it took out a few brain cells in the math department, all the drinking and using, but uh, yeah, I got sober really young and I, I'm, you know, it, by the way, I had to say that, not you. You're supposed to go, wow, you must have got sober when you were nine, but you didn't say that, so I'll say it. I was nine years old. But anyway, uh, yes, it's been, a, it's been the root of every bit of success, every bit of happiness, every bit of joy, every bit of romance, every bit of fatherhood is all because of being sober. And everything is all based on that sobriety has led to, you know, I basically have an option in every single situation. Any situation which used to baffle me uh, is no longer baffling because there's a step to work. I can pray. I can meditate. I can be of service. There's always an option in the toolbox. And it's so amazing. All my writing is from that. You know, with the connection with this higher source, I teach this. I'm, you know, I teach comedy or laughter. I teach how to use laughter in everybody's life and how to be funnier and how engaging that is. And one of the, the the whole principle of everything that I teach is all about this higher source, this genuine energy flow, which is tapping into your source, your mm. your your light, your levity, your tittering source. As we're just, <laughs> we're just tapping into that and letting it flow. <laughs> well, on that, Mr. Shoemaker, I have to ask. I asked the same question to someone else. What makes a good joke in the sense of writing? Take me to comedy school. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you where I took someone this morning. <laughs> Just give you an example. And that's the other, oh, by the way, that's what made me, a, you know, a, an award-winning comedian is once I learned in the program, you don't share your opinion, you share your experience. And no one can deny it. I can't be canceled because of it. <laughs> because... Mm. They can't say, no, I say, no, that happened to me, or I'm imitating a person that that's what they sounded like. You can't, <laughs> you know, if I imitate like an effeminate man, yeah. not homophobic, I'm imitating an effeminate man that I met. So you can be, have right. all the objection you want and try to cancel me all you want. It's like, you don't stop a movie, you don't stop a movie projector. Go, stop the projector, I'm offended by this. You don't stop a concert when they're called, <laughs> but they're all stopping comedians. 
Wait for the next joke. If you're offended, wait for the next joke. And we're all adjusting here. We're all adjusting to new language, new pronouns, and all stuff. Leave it be. You know, you can introduce, say, you might want to try something this or your own experience over that. But I have a hard time with Kat, Kathy Breen is now Kathleen. I'm freaking out. I, I can't call you Kathleen. I slip all the time. So it's going to happen. We're all human, and we need to get back yeah. to that humanness that we are and stop with the judgment all the time. So anyway, the program has really led to self-inventory. It's, it's led to this tapping into this higher source. We're not a glum lot. It's right in the big book. And, and I live a life of levity, laughter, light, joy, so much more than I ever would have if I didn't have these principles, the practice these principles in all my affairs. Mm -hmm. Someone, and I, I, do, I have an acronym for laughter. And that's the, those are, those are my 12 steps. It's like, it's love, acceptance, understanding, or uniqueness, gratitude, humility, truth, ego, and rejoice or rejuvenation. I had it as rejuvenation, but the women would say, it sounds like vaginal rejuvenation. You need to change that. Of course. <laughs> based on protest or i wasn't woke enough to realize rejuvenation meant their vagina i wasn't intended to that it's basically refresh don't you judge me just go with the flow Never. baby just go with the flow listen some of us have vaginas say the damn word Okay, by the way, my wife has a book on her nightstand. I swear this is true. It's, it's The book is called Vagina, A Love Story. Right? I swear to God. I, I got her a book called Penis, Remember Me? She's in menopause, which means put pause. I'm on pause. Okay? So, so what I went over to get back to uh, this client this morning, <laughs> an ongoing client for a while. By the way, I want Chris in my audience always, and, and, you, and you, I would like you outside parking cars. I do not want fingers being pointed at me like that. <laughs> you're there with your, yeah, you're there your shaming fingers. <laughs> That's the best. Right. So anyway, so I'm working with this client, and I said to him, the L in laughter is love. If you list in your inventory what you love, there's the basis of everything in life, because everything's about what you love. You now have, when you, now you have compassion, empathy, all those things are engaged when you get to what you love. So I said, what do you love in your life? So, for instance, I can write material, I love my children, I love my wife. But I have material about it, including the true story of vagina love story. But it's all based in this love that comes across and it's not resentment filled. Because when you're resentment filled, people in the audience feel it. When you're angry, just from that angry space, they feel it. But if you're on the other side of it, you have recovery on it. You have a healing on it. You can talk about anything because you're free. So that's why I have people list what they love and immediately... When I say what I love, it puts a little smile on my face, a little different energy, and then you say, yeah, me too. I love some of those things that I would name or whatever it is. So that's the basis of everything. And the L for laughter is, what do you love? And it's an icebreaker, what you love. I One of my clients is a real estate guy. He loves cars. He loves different kinds of cars. So now he gets to talk to his real estate clients or prospective clients and say, 
I just bought this 66 Mustang. Wow, this thing, I, I, I drove so fast, I got a ticket on the way here. You know what I mean? So whatever it is, whatever it is, this is, this is how people are drawn to you magnetically, organically, authentically, and naturally because you're in your own flow, your own love. So everything I is based that. I never would have come up with this, even close to being as funny as I am, without the 12 steps uh, and, and working those, working that program. And here's the other thing. I teach this. We are all born in light and levity. We are born happy. We're, we're joyous and free. We are born that way. And yet, they, then they take us over. The, the parents, the society, the schools, they say, here, get in this line. Do this. Pledge allegiance. You know, and it's all about compliance. It's not our true self. So we are born, kids laugh 200 times a day, adults laugh 20. I tell my classes, I go, let's catch the kids. Because we are we are born, but then they say, that's wrong, that's silly. Smile off your face. Shut up, sit down. And they you know, pledge this, pledge this this flag thing. And I said, when I was a kid, I'm going, what the hell does this mean, allegiance? You know, I didn't even know what it meant. But all I knew is, so I'm writing, my new book is called Get Out of Line and Into Alignment. Align with your true self, your that. true joy, your true vision, your true brightness, your true light. Align with that at all times. I never would have learned that. Never would have come up with that if, if it wasn't for deprogramming how I was programmed. It's the only way you can deprogram is to work a program. It's the only way. We're I mean, programmed myself, to, yeah. to respond in certain ways. It's all from ways of people telling you what to do, what a sin is. What's wrong? What's right? Here's a grade for you because you studied our, what we tell you to study about people that killed people. Oh, sure. That's a great way to study. Let's talk about, let's honor all the people that do bad things. Like I, I ate at a restaurant called Capone's. There's another one, Dillinger's, of course, Generals and all this, all about killing, killing. How come you never see like Mother Teresa's Steakhouse? Or, or, Gandhi's Grill, Gandhi's Grill. I mean, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you have a, a Gandhi plate, and it would just be the plate. It would just be the plate. That, that'd be no, no food, just the plate on the Gandhi plate. So, if I can add something, Mr. Shoemaker. My dad lived in Gandhi's house. No way. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, where I, I come from in, in South Africa, uh, Johannesburg, Gandhi had a house in a suburb called Newlands before he went back to the, the Natal region. And after he was exiled, uh, my father's parents bought the house. You know why he was exiled? I'm because, betting you're going to tell me. Because he was, got, he, was, he was not answering to the line. He was not getting in line for them. Never, ever, ever. This is what the corporations want. This is what government wants. Get in line. We'll give you a medal. We'll, we'll, we'll reward you. But definitely the unique people, the John Lennons get killed, the Kennedys get they killed, do. the people that are out of that line and into peace. Peace is not a moneymaker. It's, no, not, it's, it's not. not. And by the way, this is why they're canceling comedians and people are doing it for them, which is ridiculous. When the masses work for the, for the man, you know, for the patriarchs, it's insanity to me. It makes no sense. Exactly. They're literally doing their job. I pointed out to someone, I said, every bit of news is chosen. Because they're sponsored 100%. I said, stop arguing with me. Just go take 24 hours and watch the news and tell me one single commercial that isn't from a corporation. 
So therefore, right. it can't be real news because it's all chosen. They would never bite the hand that feeds them. They would never do a report on on toxic toxin toxins they're putting into our food. They would never do that. So therefore, it's not the news. It's only what they choose for you to watch, and it's all based on fear. So then they then they make you vulnerable. They choose your enemies for you. There, I don't watch the news. It's the first thing I tell people in my classes. Just turn it off. There's no reason for it. There's zero reason to watch the news. You don't need to know stats. You don't need to know a caravan that's coming for you. You don't need to know any of this. You just need to be in touch with yourself, aligned with yourself and your true self, your authentic self, your vision, your inspiration, your kindness, your love, your joy, all that St. Francis prayer stuff, all that contrary action that we can take from the way we're programmed. We're programmed to kill and maim and get over and get by and winning. Bullshit. I've won everything, by the way. I've won Emmys, Community of the Year. The most lonely nights of my life were winning those things. Those are the loneliest nights of my life. I will never forget right. when I won the Oscar of comedy, and I'm I'm riding around in a limousine. Never felt so so alone. Um, I'll give you another example because we all try to please our parents. We all try to please society on these ways True. that we are conditioned to believe that if I win this, this is it. This is it for me. I'm going to keep achieving, 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 achieving. So I win the. Uh, <laughs> this gives you an idea. So I win this other award, uh, my uh, Love Master movie. It won the Independent Film Festival. It, you know, big moviegoer. Wow, it's 10,000, 15,000 people downtown, and, and I'm backstage. And I go, wow, my mom is going to be so proud of me because she loves Hollywood, and she she watched the Oscars with me since I was a little boy. And So my film won this award. So Robin Williams is standing there. Oh, and, man. My mom loves celebrities. He was being Lifetime Achievement Award. And I, and I said, Robin, my mom's in Philadelphia. Would you mind talking to her? She loves celebrities. Oh, oh yes. Well, I love Mr. Smother. Oh, yes, I will. Hello. I'll put her on the phone. Does she have a big penis? Oh, hello. So anyway, I said, thank you, Robin. And I call my mom. 100% true story. I go, hey, mom, guess what? I'm standing here with Robin Williams who's going to talk to you. And my film just won the Independent Film Festival. Can you believe it? And there's this pause. She goes, that's very nice, Craig. You know not to call me during Jeopardy. I got it. <laughs> she says, I got it. <laughs> and I hear her yell out to my stepfather, who is Ann Morris the <laughs> Boom. She gets one more question, clicks the phone. I stood there. I went, Robin, she hung up on me. And I'll never forget his tender eyes. He just, with that empathy, which comedians are. We have a, we're big empaths. Show. 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 And he just goes, I understand. He says, I understand. <laughs> he got it. He understands what drives us, what makes us who we are. He knows the conflicts we come from. He knows, you know, he actually in particular also knows addiction. You know, and recovery. Of course. So he just gave me those words. I'll never forget it. But that was an example of you get there and there's no there there. It's, it's, a, it's a daily reprieve we get. It's one day at a time for everyone on the planet. Those are our victories is the surrenders that we do of old ideas. Let go. Absolutely. And those, if I told you in my coaching again, I do this. I have one story after another that it proves this out. 
None of my stories end with the Emmys. I was drunk when I won my Emmys, and I fell off the stage. Oh, there's a proud moment. But but people think that these things are, you know, even who you're sleeping with. The, the, the hot women I slept with, you know, they're looking at me going, he ain't so hot anymore. I'm looking at them going, yeah, you can use a few, whatever. You know, but we all, we all get older. We all not as attractive as we once were, but the one thing we will always sustain through our entire lives is our sense of humor. As we concentrate on that, that being a higher power is laughter and joy. That's the higher power that I live with. So I have mm-hmm. kids, kids laugh 200 times a day and adults laugh 20. I try to catch the kids all the time. And, and Chris has surpassed the kids. Even in this interview, Chris has passed the kids. He's at 400 laughs just yes. this. That's all. Oh, and, and, you're, and, and you're at about 50 uh, finger waves, finger waggings. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that means, I so, take it as a compliment. So, Thank you. It is a compliment. Let me ask it's you, a like. It's a compliment from a comic, yes. Thank you, boss. Yeah, 33 years. Um, has there been a time where you were not practicing the principles and, and like, not spiritual? And, and what happened? If I, I, have, I, have, I have a story about that. I went through hell, literal hell. This is what I say this to newcomers all the time. This is not, like, 24-7 bliss. There's a lot of pain I still go through, including I happened to marry the woman who brought me to the program. Years, years, years later, and we have a child again, another child we've adopted, and we got divorced. And um, this is a woman who, you know, I don't want to take her inventory, but I'll just tell you the actions. I can share the experience. She would not trying to remove these kids from their father, this loving father that commits everything of my life is committed to children. And I, you know, I parent them. I give them everything that I didn't have. My dad left when I was born. He became a cult. You know, my first drink was with him when he visited. When he was five, I was five. I was kidnapped by a serial pedophile. I went through a lot of stuff. But I said, I am going to commit to being this father. And I married someone who had such mental problems, she could not stop. And so it cost a million dollars just to hold on to 50% custody. Made up things that, and people are going to notice. You say that a, a man did that to a boy, and people are going to go, really? Now you have to investigate. So I went through absolute hell. And a lot of the hell also had to do with not letting go. My responses, my defense is no better than her offense. Many times I wish I would have taken that as I talk about in the big book and not pressed enter. By the way, I want to tell everyone out there, if you have issues with someone, you press enter. They, they never, and I mean never, respond, I never thought of it that way. Thank you for sharing. No one ever does that. Yeah. They, they, they respond with more defense. And now it's, it escalates, escalates, and the kids are only feeling that energy because you have to defend yourself. You have to defend your honor and all that stuff because the ego takes over. I can't have other people thinking these things, but whatever it is. So I'm on my way. I'm on a hike, and I said, and I see this email from a, a now my kids with a minor's counselor. He has to have a lawyer. They forced this to happen because of this crazy person. This craziness ensued and chaos and mayhem, and it makes me nuts too. So I'm like battling, battling for my life at this point. I told you I didn't have a father my whole life. I'm always battling and battling. And I got into this battle. And it is ego. And I, I lost it. We're on a, high, a walk to the farmer's market. 
with another family. One of the kids, I have a new family too. One of the kids is in the, um, I want to say baby carriage, like I'm in the 1950s, but they're in a, a stroller. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I lost it. And I told them all, I go, I'm going to go drink. I, I had a rage, just a rage. You know, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I said, I've had it. I'm going to go. I was suicidal at some points. And and so I went, I went away and I went to the country club and I just sat down. I didn't even golf. I just sat on the lawn and smoked cigarettes and felt sorry for myself. I wanted them to think that I was drinking. And then suddenly my phone starts blowing up. My wife, who's not in the program, called my program friends. So I still remember that I get choked up when I think about it. I still remember these friends that called. And I saw their name flash across the screen. I knew every one of them, I knew where this was coming from. Rustam, Mark, Lee, coming across my phone. And I still would not answer. I wanted them to think I was dead or in a bar. I wanted people to really feel sorry and have pity for me. And then the light came in. The light that was only missing because I stopped working the program. And I thought it was about me. And I thought, oh, I've been, you know, I don't need any more meetings. I didn't need it. I never sponsored at the time. I was meeting thin, sponsor thin, all that stuff. And then the light of who I truly am came, came to be. The love light that guided me from that point forward. Called the former sponsor. He's my sponsor to this day. I was on with him this morning. And that was it. That was a bottom for me that I had in sobriety. Didn't drink. I never drank. But it's as close as I came. Um, and from that point forward, I realized that no matter how sober you are, no matter how many years you are, you must continue the reprogramming process because you go right back to resentment and anger, justified anger, rationalizations. You'll go back to all of it. I was right, by the way. You know what I mean? I was right that she's wrong and it all starts with her. No, I got to look at my role in this, that I brought this about. Not the specifics of what she was saying, but did I do some lying? Yeah. So I made amends to her. I made big time amends that I... I apologize for lying. Look, I had a lie of, listen to this one. I had a lie of marrying her and making her into someone she wasn't. It's a lie. So imagine being her and what that causes in her. Imagine how she must feel when she knows underlying all of this is I married her for her image. I married her because I thought my mom would like her, love, love her, and she did. I married her for all the wrong reasons because I wanted so much to have a ch child and we made love and we had a child nine months later. You know, I ran into her at a meeting. So so imagine being her. Now, I un understand she really does have huge issues, huge, like really, really bad. And some are sicker than others. Some are inconstitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves or others. That's not my problem. My problem is me. What am I bringing about? How am I adding flame to this? And I'm adding flame by not telling the truth, not being authentic, whatever. Defense is not authentic. That's trying, that's my ego trying to look good. So all these things I had to fully examine to never get to the point again of that kind of, that kind of rage, which is from being meeting thin and, and, and so forth. I hope that story was understandable. No, absolutely. I have to completely. I have to empathize with you, Mr. Shoemaker, because uh, I can envision myself in the same story. I, like you, I worked the entertainment circuit, and I had more or less the same upbringing that what you had. 
irregardless of the fact that we're two generations apart from one another and geography-wise. But what I love about what you have done is you've opened up this interview with a whole array of jokes based on your own experience. But when it comes to the serious part of sharing your history and so on and so forth, I receive it better, which is a technique that has been used in church uh, a lot of times. And I really just want to say from my end, you inspire me so much with your story and uh, you ultimately decided to walk away from what doesn't work for, uh, for you and um, consistently putting your better, better foot forward. And I really, I tip my hat to you. You inspire me to do better in both business and in life. Well, thank you. When, when I coached the guy this morning about what I told him is I said, just get to know you better. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about, you know, he's there, well, what are they going to think? I go, whoa, whoa, that's going to stop the flow right there. And that's results-oriented. That's ego. What are they going to think? I said, you share who you are. And if a joke comes out of it, fine. Many times if you tell the truth, a joke does come out of it. Some conflict happens within whatever you're saying. And... But if you say who you are, people are going to respond. Not everyone. I mean, I've shared before about, you know, the kidnapping when I was kidnapped. And I've had people walk out. You know, how dare you? That's not what I came for. You know what I mean? They're not ready to hear that. Or they might never be ready or they maybe they shouldn't hear it. I don't know what it... All I know is anything that comes out of me now is a tapped into the higher power. It's a tap in. It could be... It could be come out funny. It could come out what someone calls serious. But there's nothing to me you take laughter serious. Huh? I feel it. I feel it. What do you it. feel? What do you feel, Gora? I just feel like Chris said, like I want to do better. I feel happy just listening to you talk about being tapped into your higher power because I'm 16 years sober and I moved to a different state. I haven't really enjoyed the meetings. I'm disconnecting. I'm at that place and I'm not the fear, the anger, um, and the constantly thinking I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough, all these things, you know, and it's nice to hear that the solution is always the same as it has it always been, you know, it's just for me to get connected back with my people and just start having a little bit of faith, you know, and um, yeah. it's not just faith, blind faith. 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 It's, it's yes. like, no, you got to do the work. It's absolute, it's absolute faith. Could, do you mind if I, I share a story about something based on what you just said? Yeah, no, of course not. I think I heard you say something about don't feel smart enough. Is that right? Did you say something like that? <laughs> So when I was growing up without a higher power, actually resentment towards religion, big time, raised with different religions, didn't make sense to me. I watched the hypocrisy. I watched how they treated my divorced mother. You know, I mean, it made no sense to me. If I'm in my own alignment and not in theirs, I'm going, this is ridiculous. And thank God it's a spiritual program, not a religious one. Right? There's no way I'd be sober. There's no God, way I would yeah. So um, I just want to share this with you for in the experience, strength, and this is the hope part. Um, when I was a kid, I had really bad feelings about myself with no father and, 
you know, all that was going on. I had to keep the, the kidnapping a, a secret. And, you know, I was a thief and just, you know, really like, you know, I should be in prison. You know, some of the stuff that I was doing, you know, the felonies, the, the ruining people's property. I hated rich people and I would just destroy their property. But I would go to school with kids who were like smart. They were getting great grades. They were wealthy. And I also was underfed. Remember, like, you know, your brain has to be fed the right nutrients. And this is why a lot of poor people have a hard time in school. People don't realize that. They're eating horrible food just like I did. You're eating paste. So, um, or sniffing glue like I used to do. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, I loved art class. I, I would make a lot of models I was making. So, I would, I would both sniff the glue and steal, steal the, the utensils. So, um, so I thought that I was stupid because I did not compare to these other people. You would look at the grades and the curve would go the wrong way with me. And I cheat off people. So I had no self-esteem to think that I could even go there. I wouldn't do my homework. I just was not trained to do this. And I tested very poorly. I tested poorly. Does that mean I'm stupid? Does that mean you're stupid? Does that mean Chris is stupid? No, it does not. First of all, it's their standards. It's their standards of operations. What they decide you should learn. 1492 right. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I now found out that Columbus was a really bad guy. You would never think that back then. No, really bad guy. What he, what some of the things that he did. You then start to sit back and you go, wait a minute. This wasn't our country, so why are we calling it our country? You know, all these things, you know, when you sit back and, and give it more scrutiny and analyzation. So yeah. I said to myself, you're dumb. You, you have to cheat. There's no way. Don't even bother. Just get through, get by, you know, and all that. And I had someone take my SATs for me. Tommy Taylor took my SATs for me. Uh -huh. And that was a nice break for me because I got into college, a good college, and and I did well at first, and then I would, I would be dean's list, and then the next year I'd be on the list that the dean wanted to see in his office. That's what a drunk I was because I had to give in to the alcohol. I joined a fraternity. I would get drunk till I was, you know, literally puking, and then they dip me in that vomit later. So uh, this is the pathway that I took, but I will tell you something that happened. When I got sober, I realized the abundance of God that we are all divinely intelligent. We are all divinely intelligent. Oh, yes. It's just that we got in these lines. So I went from having someone take my SATs for me, failing some years not and doing well other years. But now that I'm sober and I get to know who I really am through inventory and practice, a practice is what it is, I did a test and I tested so high, my IQ is with Tesla and Da Vinci. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to give hope. And, and, and it's, 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 yeah, twice, twice I tested it as, as, you know, like genius. But I'm not saying this to brag because I'm saying every one of us is a genius. The only difference is I got Do out of the way. Do you hear that? that? I got, so I got out of the way. Yeah. Get out, of, get out of the way of those fear thoughts. Get out of the way of the doubts and the worries that people implant in you. They implant it in you. It's not you. Your true self is happy, joyous, free, brilliant, infinite, infinite, abundant, all of that stuff. All the stuff that has to do with even finances. We are infinitely, infinitely Amen. born with this. So we have to reprogram from 
I see a client, I said, it all happened in second grade for you, didn't it? You had to become an adult because I'm a psychic. She's one of my clients. And, and I said, I said you, you had pigtails, didn't you? She said, yeah. And then I said the songs that she used to sing in choir. You were filled with joy, weren't you? She said, yes, yes. And I said, and your name wasn't Beth, was it? It's Bethy. And you know what? It was one of the most profound things that's ever happened to me when I'm sharing my experience or sharing what, what's coming up for me psychically or whatever. Because she giggled and she goes, I was called Bethy. And I'll never call her Beth again. And she giggles every time I say her name. She's still my client and friend. And she giggles every time. I don't know if she's on here. I have no idea. But anyway, she giggles every time I go, hey, Bethy. She goes, so look at that energy that happens. She's now into her child, into freedom, and not into I am this adult. And she had a tough time with her daughter. Now she doesn't because she shares this new shifted version of herself that's back to second grade with pigtails. I, hey, pigtails. I'll tease her about her pigtails. She's never had them again since second grade when she had them singing those songs. When you're in joy and you're in your freedom and you're surrendered until they come in there and they invade your space and they turn you into something else. And that's what we're living with. We're living in the walls of Oz. And we've got the great and powerful running the show. And meanwhile, there's a whole freedom out there, but they think this is the limiting belief that I need to live by. I got my own barbershop that the wizard gave me. He bequeathed me with these little, you know, scissors or whatever it is. And that's all I'm going to have in life. And I, and I accept that's all I'm going to have. Oh, there's this huge world out there with surrender Dorothy. That's what they say in the Wizard of Oz. You surrender these ideas, let go absolutely and watch what happens. You're the geniuses you really are. And can I ask, uh, Mr. Shoemaker, do you incorporate a lot of what you've talked about into your comedy specials and your stand-up as a whole? Um, lately, lately I do um, more than I ever did. I was more of a performer before, but now it's really coming from rooted stuff with these processes that I go through. And I, I talk about, honestly, I'm very honest. I talk about my frustrations over the pandemic and uh, the ridiculousness of certain things. And it upsets people because they don't want to believe these things. They don't want to, uh, you know, have an open mind. So I'll bring out some some things, you know, and I don't care if it upsets anyone because I said, look, I'm Philadelphia, raw and real and angry, but I'm also California who's forgiving and peaceful. So I'm stuck between namaste and kiss my ass. That's where I live in that space. <laughs> we, all, we all want to be good. We all pray for people. But half the time we want to pray for them to suck my... They, you know what I mean? You, you, you want to pray for them to get everything they deserve, that little prick. So... That's real. That's us. So that's where I come from now. Wow. That's the shift, that's the shift I made in my career. Is that's what they're going to get. But I must be honest. The, 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 I'm not compelled to do stand-up anymore. I'm compelled to share wisdom. I'm compelled to do speaking. You know, and again, corporate, they get upset over certain things. It's so ridiculous. The way comedians are treated right now. It's unbelievable how comedians are being treated. It gave Will Smith a standing ovation for assaulting a comedian who's brilliant, by the way. And that goes to show you that opened up the gate for people's already had disrespect for comedians. But we don't even have a category at the Oscars. Oh, we're like little peasants who can do hosting and presenting, but get off the stage and let the great Sean Penn speak or whatever it is. It's such BS. I'm on to it. It's the wokeness. It's, it's absolute non-authentic. 
that they stood for that guy after an assault. And yet, and yet here he was presenting, and there's not even a category for comedy, which is the most important thing in the world, and you give a category for des best short from another country? Are you out of your minds? Step back. <laughs> oh, shit. Step back and get in alignment with yourself. You're watching the Oscars. Don't you want to see a comedy movie you just enjoyed? Don't you want to see that honor? You know, I'll never forget Chris Rock. He used my audience, actually, to rehearse for the Oscars when he hosted years and years ago. And he kept doing this shtick. He goes, who's Jude Law? Tell me, who is Jude Law? He kept saying that, right? <laughs> and then uh, it was like a, it was like an ongoing joke because well, Jude Law was in every movie and he was always on, right? oh, blah, 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 blah. So it was just a fun little thing. Oh, out comes with the music, the great Sean Penn, who says Jude Law <laughs> is a fine actor. Oh, shut up. Shut up. I'm sorry. Namaste. <laughs> No, so no. I mean, <laughs> sometimes sorry, you know. Sean, I'm sorry, Sean. Bless your little cigarette smoking. <laughs> 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 oh, so, but look at how everyone wants to cancel us. It's you know the reason we're truth tellers. We're saying stuff that you don't even want to explore. You're afraid of it because of your training. But we're going to pull that curtain like the wizard. We're going to show you they're back there with levers, and it's all BS. And you're deifying these leaders. I got no leaders. We are but trusted servants. We do not govern. It says it right there. And I love that about this program is there are no leaders. are but trusted servants. We do not govern. How, what a wonderful thing. This is written perfectly. There's no loopholes. Because there's loopholes in government, there's loopholes in the news, in the media, there's loopholes in all of it. Parenting, there's loopholes. There's no loopholes in the program, not one. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree with you. You said something that struck a chord with me. I'm a comedy nerd, and it's my dream to uh, to get up on stage and do it just for kicks and giggles. Uh, George Carlin. If you look at his stand-up from the 90s up until his very last sh uh, show that he did in 2008, isn't it funny to think that a lot of what he said on stage is now busy playing out as we speak? Amazing. Amazing. He was like Nostradamus. He, was, <laughs> he, was, he saw the future. Um, he had a lot of what I'm saying right now is probably something he has said. I mean, it's just really, he, he pulled the curtain. All bad for you. He, 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 he pulled the curtain on the wizard. As a matter of fact, um, oddly enough, of, through fate, I, I never really knew him well, but his daughter ended up to be my therapist. Kelly, and, oh my stars. Yeah. So, so Kelly was my therapist, and she was becoming a therapist. That was what she was doing, and she was brilliant. And I was seeing her with my wife at the time, and Kelly helped me get divorced. You know what I mean? She'd like, hey, look at this, look at this. She sent my, my then wife over to a male therapist and then we got, and anyway, it ended up boom out. And she helped inspire that. She's brilliant at what she was doing at the time. She doesn't do it anymore. But, um, so she was the officiant at my wedding with my now wife in Hawaii. She officiates the wedding and it's beautiful Maui on the beach. Uh, I got to tell you one little quick story. My son, we were at, Gandhi Grill. Go. I mean, I can't. How about Gandhi Grill. 
What's that? There we go. You're back, Mr. Shoemaker. Sorry, we lost you there for a couple of seconds. You were talking about uh, your son, and then all of a sudden, oh, so my son was my son was ten years old, and he took her down to the beach right after the wedding. My wife and he got on one knee and he gave her the pearl and he goes, "Will you be my stepmom?" Oh, Oh, man. It was so beautiful, and Kelly manifested that wedding. It was all beautiful, and then and she told me the, the day before on that Thursday she called her dad, and the worst moments of her life were when she was ten in Maui, and they're scoring drugs. The parents are fighting. She called him up. She said, "Daddy, I had a healing. I'm standing on this spot that was the worst days of my life, and so on." He goes, "That's great, sweetie. I love you," and. Two days later is when he died, and I got the news. I had to go find her in her condo. He's having fun in the condos, and she's getting a massage, and all I had to tell her that her dad passed away. And those were her last words with her father was from Maui, from the wedding, and this healing that they had together. And um, it was interesting because I drove her to the airport. I watched this therapist of mine, who I am just thought was the world of her, go through every stage of grief. Anger, blame, acceptance, reluctance, all that stuff that happened. It was amazing to see. And, and I just, I had a reflection. I just thought to myself, wow. And now that I'm watching him, I'm, I'm, I'm into him now more than I ever was. I never, I was all busy doing my thing. I never really paid attention. But now that I'm seeing his pieces that are so deep and so, such a challenge to our thoughts and challenge to our programming. Big time. And by the way, not, not necessarily gut busting laughing. It's just more like, oh my God, he's right. You know, you know yeah. 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 It's just, it's a different, it inspires new thought. And I want to say the same to you, Mr. Shoemaker. What you're telling me right now, and to Danny as well, is making me and her laugh, but you're also making us think. I'm yearning for what you are sharing Good. right now because it was a couple of months ago myself that I also, like George, said, I don't buy into this. I don't buy into what the world is selling. No. I want the blue pill. <laughs> I don't want the red pill. <laughs> when you do the show over at the Canyon Club, do you remember all the AAs that would show up every year? Ah, oh, shit. Am I going away again? Yeah. Those, hang on, easy. hang on. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try. To... Go for it. Hold on. I'm going to try to. I'm going to go out of. And Chris. Oh, you're. Frozen. He was great. I don't know what. I don't know what to do here. Uh, let's go here. I am my best here to. All right. Two, two things. It seems like we have you back. Two things, Chris. No more mister. We're done with that. I'm going to be Craig now. And it, and if you say Schumacher, I will come kick your ass. <laughs> it's Shoemaker. You, you make shoes. You make shoes. You don't mock shoes unless they're Crocs. Those you can mock. It's the German translation. I mean, you share a last name with a famous race car driver. Who is paralyzed, by the way? Uh, listen, no, I don't. It's spelled Shoemaker. He's a mocker. I have no umlaut. I'm not classy enough for umlaut. I'm not off the boat from Bavaria. I meant it out of respect. I'm just a little maker. I'm not a little. I'm not a mocker. I meant it out of respect. I'm not a mocker. I'm just. A
and I'll always be a, a maker, <laughs> a cobbler, <laughs> cobbler, just just make you know making life happen. Just go in my little studio that not no news is around me. Nobody's gonna tell me what's going on. I'm gonna make these custom built shoes every day for myself. I meant it out of respect, Craig. It's it's just how I am. That's a, Danny nearly gave me a swat behind the head when I kept kept calling her Miss Park when we met two years ago. So sadly, it's a character defect. <laughs> it's it's not a defect. It's not a, f- a defect, Chris Nell. Um, it's. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I deserve that. I'm trying to read it. Is it Neil or Nell? Nell. N E D L. Oh, it is Nell. Okay. I, I, I should have said Neil then. That would be the joke. I was trying to get your name wrong and I got it right by accident. So my eyes are just You're starting to go. You're a genius! For all these years oh in there. Oh, God. Starting to, everything's starting to go now. <laughs> Craig, I really want to thank you. <laughs> including her. It's all starting to go, including her. She's <laughs> <laughs> done. She's, she, I don't, it's, it's unbelievable to me. Uh, we had the pandemic, right? And we were in quarantine. Would you think, oh, oh intimate fan calling mom. He'll take bus fare. Get him out. <laughs> <laughs> out of here I'm tired of them I have four kids I walk in they turn their chairs like they're judges on the voice oh here he is <laughs> oh god uh, <laughs> oh. Oh, give me a moment to catch my breath <laughs> Schumacher, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is great. This is great with all all four people. I'm rocking it out here, including Weightbot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope Weightbot is laughing at this stuff. We're getting this stuff. I hope. <laughs> and with that, we have to conclude the episode. Craig, I really want to say for myself and uh, for Daniela, you've provided us with perhaps one of the best episodes that has ever been produced on uh, Doing It Sober Live. This was an initiative that was kicked off this year. Uh, Danny approached me, and uh, through this joint initiative, we've come to meet people like you, and you've certainly given me, as opposed to have given me, Chris, get your sentence correct. You're talking in front of a professional here, for God's sake. You've given me food for thought, and... uh, Really, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we would love to have you back, let's say, a year from now, two years from now, and continued success to you. Thank you so much for your time, my good sir. Thank you. Thank you all uh, for everything. And, and pass the word around so there's more people out there that are maybe hopefully catch the message here. Yeah. Because, listen, I come from nothing, and, and I hope that people know that. You can be anything that you want. You can have anything you want. You can enjoy yourself as much as you want. We live in abundance, yeah. not lack and limitation. And that's all that the big G wants for us. So uh, thank you. And uh, tell everybody at Fireside, I haven't been here in a while. I used to be a host on here. Tell everybody I said hi. Maybe I'll start another show again. Yes. <laughs> have you on. And with thank that, you, thank Craig. you for joining us for this week's edition of Doing It Sober Live. If you missed out the live stream, you can also catch up on the replays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else that you get your podcasts. Until we see you next time, 
next week, same time, same place. We love you. Look after yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. Good night.